0: welcome super house podcast listeners to episode 109 someone's returning that you have not heard from in a while i've cried myself to sleep at night wondering when he would return <laughs> he's back Stefan santa cruz oh shit joey's here what's up that was Stephen. this is maddie oh, <laughs> okay is cool seven. yeah all, all right all right this is uh andrew uh signing on everybody before we get really started into this, I just wanted to say, um, if you have found this episode because you are a Vietnam veteran, this is actually has nothing to do with the war. Uh, this is about a guy that has visited Vietnam on a trip, and none of us have been in the <laughs> service whatsoever. So, uh, <laughs> and we we probably called this episode debriefing too, so it was even further confusion. We're just posers, <laughs> all right? Okay. <So,
1: laughs> okay. So yeah, I was. <laughs> hold on a second. Um, so I'm returning from an epic fucking trip. I was gone for two months. I was in Vietnam for the first month and Thailand and Cambodia for the second month. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: All right. So, and this is your first time abroad, correct? First time really? Like, uh, yeah. This is your first time using a passport? Yeah.
1: This is the first time I had a passport. First time using a passport. First time uh, working with like visas and shit and first time out of the country whatsoever.
0: Nice. It was nuts. You really topped your cherry on that one. So, oh my god, cherry's the... obliterated. So yeah, obliterated. <laughs> so uh, basically, um, culture shock. That's the that's kind of the most interesting to me. What was your culture shock abroad?
1: Um,
0: weren't um, the um, like I the motorcycles
1: and everything, the, the the traffic, the way people handled? So, yeah, the traffic would fall in there too. Like the traffic is so different. That if you drive like a Westerner or an American, you're gonna die. Uh-huh. It's just the psychology of it is just so different.
0: Um, psychology, Vietnamese traffic you, what you, is. Just, what do you mean by that? Just craziness or what? What do you mean?
1: Just like you know, like if, when you first get in it, or if you see videos of it, or if you're actually there, like if you're taking the bus or something, you're just watching traffic. It's gonna look insane. It's gonna Ooh. look just like madness because basically all the lines in the road and all the signs and all the lights are just suggestions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, it's right. Just,
1: they're just, they're just conceptually kind of like a guide but people basically okay. do, you know, most people ride scooters. Most people have bikes of some kind. Um, so generally that's like, it's kind of, it's fairly easy to keep in a safe distance from somebody with these bikes. And basically everybody just like owns their space. Um, and everybody's just kind of like in, in a, in a massive, like cultural agreement to just keep traffic moving traffic, just moves. It just goes, it just flows like blood out there. Um, Okay. so the, the only times it gets, you get in trouble or somebody gets angry with you is if you break up that flow of traffic for any amount of time, longer than a moment, you know, (laughs) um, Um, so we're on these, like, we're on these knockoff, like hundred CC, um, just a little above a moped and just a little below an actual motorcycle, uh, kind of bikes. Um, ours were like knockoff Chinese parts and just like hunks of junk death traps through and through. Um, and, and so, you know, we have to keep fixing them every, every few days. Sometimes there's something goes wrong with it. You gotta go take it in and get fixed. But. It's super cheap in vietnam and parts are super cheap and getting your bike worked on is something you're just going to have to do consistently okay. um so that that wasn't necessarily like culture shock or anything but you know in traffic you have all the scooters and stuff like that when you're on the highway you have a lot of trucks and basically the way that the psychology of it is that the trucks are they have the right away and they're going full speed they're not even the truck drivers are insane they're out for blood it seems to like they'll hit you and they won't have to deal with it because you'll be miles but you'll be kilometers behind them by the time somebody finds your obliterated corpse
0: vietnam seems (laughs) to be kind of known for for crazy traffic even out yeah out of all of asia i remember japan was a little bit crazier than america but not to the level of vietnam is
1: yeah vietnam's nuts like learning how to drive like a motorbike in vietnam i feel like has prepared me to drive any vehicle anywhere on the planet (laughs) it was pretty intense there were so many close calls and you're like once once i got more comfortable on the bike i felt a lot safer but the first couple weeks were crazy scary and you're just getting used to not only the traffic but learning how to ride a bike and 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 then there's goats and dogs and cattle and shit everywhere. So you're like swerving around everything, trying not to get taken out by an oncoming truck. Um, so traffic was nuts. Um so, I can talk more about that as we get into it, but yeah, go ahead.
0: What about um you go to restaurants, any like any interesting culture at restaurants or I mean like um, in Japan, yeah, like you, was, you can slurp and it's perfectly fine to slurp your food. <laughs> like you just uh, fucking <laughs> hear everybody <laughs> slurping at ramen shops and it's yeah. like at first, it's yeah. just really kind of like, it's hard to get used to. Was there anything like that? Um, we had a
1: lot of soup and there was a ton of slurping. Okay. Uh, the best restaurants were the places that offered you kind of like, this is what we do, just sit down and we're going to make it for you. Um, and those meals were always so good because they're basically feeding you how they eat. And right, right, uh, right, right, right. so, yeah, that, I'd say that was pretty culture clashy, like anytime we'd go to a restaurant that catered also to like the tourists um, was was they were kind of lame because like if you had order Western food, it's either going to taste kind of weird, like a weird interpretation of it, or it's just yeah. going to be bland. Yeah. Um, and then like the traditional Vietnamese dishes, you're like, okay, I'll just, you know, we're in Vietnam, I'll get a traditional Vietnamese dish at this sit down restaurant that we're in. And generally, those were also kind of like bland because it's it seems like they were more open to like the tourist who wants to kind of play it safe um, right, rather right, than right. rather than the adventurer who wants to eat on the side of the road in front of some destroyed building. The better meals and the better experiences are had on the side of the road, um, uh, sitting on plastic children's furniture, eating some amazing soup that some mama, some Vietnamese mama cooked up. <laughs> and those are generally the better meals.
0: Were you, were you, did uh, you see any kind of like crazy poverty or some sort of like remnant or or something that seemed like whoa that was communist you know or anything like uh, that
1: yeah yeah it was uh there was a couple times we were in a few neighborhoods um just in certain areas it was like i mean the whole the whole of vietnam is still like kind of putting itself together since after the war and everything and um, so there's a, a majority of the country is just really poor and the economy is like really low. So that's why now they're embracing all the tourists coming over and spending money because for us, it's like super cheap to eat food and, and get a room, buy bikes even, <laughs> but, um, but were it's you also able uh, a...
0: yeah, okay. sorry, okay. sorry. No, so good. were you, were you able to, uh, talk with, any locals whatsoever any locals know any english or to chris lee yeah yeah so chris he he knows uh he knows kind of like a southern
1: dialect he knows as much as about like maybe like a like a middle schooler would yeah. know
0: yeah, yeah
1: um yeah. and so he got he got us by in a lot of situations in terms of like ordering food like a lot of times we would go to a place and we would just do like family style and he would like talk to them and pick stuff off the menu but um and we would all share it. But, um, but pretty much everybody and on all the countries I visited has like a very, you know, has a conversational English down. Like everybody knows English. It's crazy. Um, not in
0: Japan, bro. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're talking like That's funny. no, no. I mean, very rare for anybody to know anything.
1: I mean, it's a little bit better these days, yeah. but
0: Japan and Korea yeah. are the worst out of all of Asia and they're the highest, um, you know uh, economies
1: oh wow <laughs> south, south yeah, korea well, actually the lowest. In let me English. take that back a little bit like people you could generally communicate with people fairly easily with simple words and stuff yeah. so i won't say it's like completely conversational um but there were a lot of instances where you know chris did help navigate through a lot of those in the early few most in the in the pretty much the first half of the trip because as we got more north his dialect was different than the people up north and they had no idea what he was saying and he didn't know what they were saying it was crazy so kind of that communication line kind of broke down as we got more north um um and then but mostly yeah you kind of just like you end up pointing at a lot of things you end up like nodding and you having a smartphone and stuff like i could um, when i was in vietnam i got a, a sim card out there so i was able to like pull up images if i needed to go buy a raincoat or some flip-flops or something i could just like point at the picture and then people would just like point me in the direction or try and sell me something um and was so the weather hard like, to navigate good
0: most of the time it seemed like you weren't wearing coats or anything
1: yeah we got really lucky because it was supposed to be uh, it's supposed to be the kind of the end of the rainy season but still the rainy season um while we were there and we got really lucky we were we were just we were just like riding in that gap of the weather behind us was starting to get shitty and the weather ahead of us was kind of shitty. So we were just kind of like under the sun most of the time, um, up until like the last day, the last day was the worst because it was it just straight up rained on me for like two hours. Um, uh, some of the other guys had made the rained
0: rained every day in September. Oh, wow. 30 days straight yeah it was insane man i hadn't seen shit like that before
1: (laughs) yeah so we got really lucky (laughs) with the weather yeah and and it only rained a few times sometimes when it rained it was really nice because in the south it was really hot still
0: cool um yeah um so let's i know you're supposed to talk about the positive first Uh but i really (laughs) want to know what what'd you hate about this trip Oh, I also want to know about um, that. Post <laughs> I you made know all on Facebook about this because I was scared for okay. my Sniffy. <laughs> What'd you hate? What'd One you
1: stand? <laughs> One thing I realized, not that I realized it so much, but the thing that was like more affirmed for me was that I'm I'm a homebody. I like <laughs> I was just gone too fucking long. It was fun. A lot of time it was really fun. Um Uh, you know other times it's frustrating sometimes it's really sad uh and lonely but um you know i like realized not realized again but like affirmed like the things i like the comforts i have and the things i keep with me are like really important to me and like being out and moving around and being nomadic and not really having a set bed or like a hot shower and just constant movement and 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 constant like social interaction was like really draining on me so that was a huge aspect of the trip
0: that was, was tough for me in, like you a didn't, comfort you didn't level really have kind a room. of way you didn't really have a room for yourself at a hostel is that a big part of it or what
1: well it, mostly it's mostly it's dormitory type uh living so you're in like be- sometimes you're in a room that's just like four people sometimes you're in a room that's like 16 people
0: yeah that's it how it just I, really
1: depends on yeah. where you where you land yeah um, so and i didn't you know, have enough money no to do like airbnb
0: you had no privacy yeah no really, privacy the time. so you you i think you you knew you were a homebody though before even going to this thing oh but for sure <laughs> you were so were you trying to <laughs> but, see how far you could push yourself when going into this trip or you just got the adventure bug or what like, um what'd you, just, what'd you expect you going know like a, like
1: most, it was most heavily like Chris's influence, my friend Chris Lee who kind of led, okay. led the whole trip. We had it was a group of, of five of us actually I okay. was traveling. Um, so but you know it was like Chris uh, had had urged me to go on it like early on and then I bought the tickets when I was kind of like drunk a night of drinking or something and I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. Um, and then I was like, I was, you know, at first I was like, I could swing a few weeks in Vietnam. I got the money, like I could do that. And that's what I should have done (laughs) to be (laughs) honest, but, but Chris, two months, well, Chris was like, you gotta do two months, man. Cause he's, he likes traveling. He likes being out in the world. You know what I mean? Like, um, traveling is important. Like you said, Andrew, it is very important, but. But some of these people would get lost out there. Some of these backpackers would be out just for, like, we met this one guy who was traveling for, like, seven years, like, never really it's just, like, settling nomad. in anywhere. Huh? He was a
0: digital nomad type of guy?
1: Uh, I don't know how he made his money, this guy. He was from Korea or something. He was kind of eccentric, so it was really hard to kind of get a real, like, non-cryptic answer out you, of him.
0: You meet people like that on these fucking journeys, yeah, man. Especially in yeah. Asia, I feel like.
1: Which was really cool, but the more people I met that were like, I bought a one way ticket, man. Who knows? Like the world is my oyster, I was like, Fuck that, I wanna go home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you were just that I missed my PlayStation. You just went you were just too long for for popping your cherry. It was too long. My first trip to Japan was a week long yeah it's it's funny too i think I, I think like i'm the type of personality like when i'm in a different culture i will notice every fucking thing about like uh, the culture shock and stuff and i talk to some people i've talked to japanese people that have come to america and some of them don't notice yeah. anything well it's not much, not much different and then i talk to others that are like me they're like oh uh, yeah every single thing is different like like yeah. when you said you you weren't that shocked i feel like well i wouldn't be shocked at this point the shock's a little too strong but i think I, I just, I'm just the kind of personality, like, I, I fucking notice everything when I'm in another country. Yeah. I just, I guess, I yeah. Fascinated by everything. And I think it's also it because I'm from, from where I'm from, like, the middle of the fucking, you know, right. backwoods, basically. So, like, any everything I fucking see, it's just like, wow, I don't know. What's that? What's yeah. that? Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I get it. There Angie, was, you it.
1: know, like, there was nothing ever that, re- <laughs> like, you know, there was nothing ever that really took me by surprise. Um I was but I was open to everything. Like I I don't mean to sound like ungrateful for having the opportunity or anything like that, but I know I'm really stubborn. I go kicking and screaming into everything because I don't know. It, it, basically like yeah, I, like the most culture shock type things were were I found with other backpackers, like travelers from other places. Um not with the Vietnamese That's where I themselves. found more of the culture shock stuff. One thing that r- yeah, not exactly because I felt like, like, you know, like Southeast Asia is kind of like, I felt like a kind of kinship, you know, with like, like through my like Mexican blood to these, like, to like the Vietnamese, the Thai and the Cambodian. They're all kind of like the Latinos of Southeast Asia in a weird way to me.
0: That's, that's a funny um, perspective.
1: So so i didn't you know like i i I always felt like i could just communicate really well with people who even they didn't know my language or anything and there wasn't you know there was going into it people were like oh man it's going to be nuts you know like they don't they don't queue up for lines they just everybody's just going all for one which technically isn't true it depends on where you are and it depends on what's going on but technically that's not really true because i was in some lines in fucking vietnam too, um and You know, that was the other thing, too, is like people tell you things, people like it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that. One thing that became certain to me is that you can't really, you know, other backpackers when they recommend to us a place to go or hostels or whatever, like don't allow yourself to have any expectations for anything. And I think that's where the culture shock might come into is because your expectations are being confronted by whatever. But I was like, it wasn't hard for me to wake up every morning and be like, oh, fuck, I'm in Vietnam. Let's get ready for that shit and then go out and be like oh yeah vietnam we're in vietnam like i don't know It just I like remember, there wasn't too many things that i was like oh man that's crazy <laughs> but, being it, it, in, but it was you know
0: being in shinjuku for the first time in tokyo just seeing a sea of people and 99 percent of it they have black hair and uh, they're you know asian descent they're japanese that in yeah. and of itself just seeing a sea of japanese is like these sure. like nobody knows what diversity is here you know i remember just being very shocked just thinking about all yeah. of that and like you don't need to put your eye color or your hair color on your id because yeah doesn't matter in japan you know like Everybody i just remember like every, <laughs> every fucking little thing like that like i just remember being yeah oh man i'll probably i'll never go back to that again because of you can only have your cherry popped once in that way i think unless uh-huh. i went to like the fucking like yeah and like uh what do you call it uh one of those like uncontacted tribes or some shit but other than that i think i probably won't be too shocked anymore in my life but um
1: yeah because of the experience yeah Um, yeah yeah, one thing i honestly one thing i can tell you about like in, in a culture shock kind of way one thing that really was profound to me was the bathroom situation going on in southeast asia yeah they are fucking ahead of the curve
0: Oh, they had the fucking in, super toilets
1: in Vietnam. So they didn't have the super toilets. The Japanese are, are the highest echelon of toilet <laughs> uh, technology. But yeah. in, in more simple, minimalistic uh, and like um, efficiency kind of terms, Vietnam and Thailand and Cambodia in that way have this in common. They all have uh, a hose that's like a hose and a nozzle sprayer that just sits next to the toilet and okay. you you know you you do your business and you're, you're not you shouldn't be dumping you shouldn't throw paper into the plumbing because their plumbing is really you know it's like thin pipes i guess it's just not designed to take any garbage in it other than like re- like human refuse yeah um so you have this little hose so you do your business or whatever and you just hose down the beehole, man you just you kind of get like in there
0: for yourself
1: yeah it's a bidet you got full control of it it's like one of those shower heads you can pull off and you know wash all the undersides of your body but you do the hose man you get it all up in there and you spray in there sometimes you get a really nice pressure going some places and
0: it's exquisite i tried the bidet for the first time in japan using one of those super toilets (laughs) yeah what was setting bro i used one of those two in tokyo my ass was not ready for that shit oh man i had to get used to it
1: i i used one in the tokyo airport and during our layover i used one of the magical robo toilets and those are great man because you just press that button it takes you little by surprise but it it's the ticket and 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 you know in the west and especially in america we're doing it all wrong if you think your assholes clean after you've taken a shit at any point in time during the day you're wrong <laughs> yeah you're it's, talking it's, handsless
0: it's, bathroom experience you're, you're getting talking, like an automatic yeah. water bidet, and then an air dryer yeah. up your ass so you're well, so, fucking good you don't have to touch shit
1: <laughs> yeah so that's Jap- japan so in vietnam and thailand and cambodia you use the hose and sometimes a lot of places will have paper as well and this is where it gets kind of questionable for questionable for a lot of people and kind of gross um but <laughs> But you got You got. That's why you got to hose it down good. You should hold that hose on there for a little bit longer than you think you should. Just really get it nice and drenched. Because when you go, when you get, when you get to using the paper, when you get to using the paper, you want to use the paper to soak up all the moisture, not necessarily to wipe. Wiping is completely a non-issue at this point because right, right, right. you've held the hose on there for an adequate amount of time. <laughs> So you just <laughs> you just want the paper. All you need the paper for is to soak up the moisture. You throw the paper off. in the bin. Somebody's gonna come along and throw that bin away, um, and then you wash your hands and then you're on to the next thing. And it's like, man, it's really had a profound effect on on like my ideas of like a bathroom ritual. Um, problems necessarily, but I, you know, the I, you know, it's never felt a hundred a hundred percent clean you know all of the time sometimes you know like not to get to TMI, (laughs) but like i'm kind of a hairy dude so (laughs) you you know (laughs) not not exactly but um you know somewhere in that territory it's not right and you know most of us do in america most of us do and we're we're way behind way behind in in our bathroom psychology our bathroom rituals we need that hose. I'm going to try and figure out how to get one installed here at the house because I don't know if I can go back. That was one of the biggest culture shock things because I'm like, man, like they may seem like simple and developing, third world, whatever, however we think of them as Americans. But they got a speed on this bathroom game, man. We're walking around with dirty asses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to look at women the same way now, Stefan. You're just going to be like, no, I want to no, say hi. I know, you got that, I know you got that dirty butt. You got, you got a dirty butt. butt. Yeah.
1: Girl, you got a dirty butt.
0: little dirty little crusty little backpacker. Girl! You've been using paper. Ugh! Get away from me. Are you wiping? Are you soaking you, know, you soaking up? Uh, yeah. And I got it. What are you doing? You
1: know, at first it took some time getting used to, but I got it. I got my technique down pat by the end of it. And you're just like walking around and she's like, man, I've never been happier in my life.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So back to your misery, um, uh, when, when did you stop <laughs> yeah. having fun? How far into this trip?
1: Um, so, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've come off as kind of a bitch out of all this whole thing. Because it was like, it was like on and off. Like There was a lot of fun all, throughout the whole thing. Um, the, the, the time, I ran out of money a little bit sooner than I thought I would. Um, and I ended up having to borrow money. So that kind of sucked. Uh, Cause then I really had to like budget out and th- think about the way I was spending things because like it, it was cheap to eat food. Most places, Thailand and Vietnam, Vietnam being the cheapest. Um, but drinking was like only about half as much as it is out here. So it was right. still, I got it, it added up after a while and we were partying and like pretty much all we were doing was going from party to party from party place to party place to beach to like other city to party. And it's just like, it was fun, but I kinda got like burnt out on partying. Like I just sometimes like I just wanted to sit down and Netflix and like have a comfortable bed and shit.
0: Oh, I wanted to talk about I know I'm changing pace. I'm changing I'm like moving fast, but I just have a lot oh, to okay. on. Um feel free to yeah. stop me at any point, but that's fine. Euro douches. You felt you felt like you ran into a lot of European <laughs> douchebags? Let's talk about this. What yeah, fucking so- backpackers what, what was your experience with this? <laughs>
1: Okay, so, like, I, I don't know if maybe it's just the hostels we picked or what it what it was exactly, but, like, most places we ended up were just kind of, like, this this kind of frat party atmosphere where we were hanging out with, and I don't know if it's just this way around the world, but I had a lot of, I had trouble finding, like, more fringy type of people, like, who were, like, you know, super tatted up or, like, kind of alt um alt culture, you know, like grungy metalheads or punk, even punk people, you know, like I was hard pressed to find anybody like that. It seemed like most people were like really just kind of like Brad's and Britney's everywhere we went. Every (laughs) hostel had the same playlist of like Ed Sheeran songs and like, you know, and then it was like, it was like the same four pop songs that are popular right now, but it was like endless different cover versions by different mediocre artists that would just come up so you knew the words to all these songs but it was just like they were just the same four or five horrible pop songs that were playing everywhere in every hostel and you know it was a lot of like Like lululemon
0: they could be be fucking um dutch or swedish or whatever the fuck right yeah yeah
1: yeah, not to not to invoke too much of like a judgmental tone, but they were all pretty fucking basic, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's basic people in Europe
1: too. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, they all listen to EDM everywhere. Like, but I thing can is, get that's, down. That's
0: like at, a fucking Euro thing though. Right. That's a European yeah, like, stereotype. That's true. It's a, yeah,
1: definitely. You know, and, and that's the music that they know. That's the music of their heartland. You know, that's their cultural, <laughs> you know, most, you know, German, French, British, uh, even Australian. You know what I mean? Like, they like you it was, it was either like old school hip hop or whatever was kind of like popular in the nineties or just like DJ after DJ after DJ EDM bullshit. Not my scene really. It's just not my scene. Um, I, so, mean, what, I
0: mean, what happens with that is you have like basically people with money travel, you know, and a lot of people that are yeah. like in niche genres or, you know, people that go to heavy metal shows, it's kind of a lot of them are, yeah. don't make a lot of money, you know? So you're just you feel like you're, yeah. you're I mean, you know, like, especially like oh, like, true. Like, true. like metal music. I'm just saying <laughs> Most, yeah. it just seems <laughs> Salt like of the
1: earth types.
0: You know, I, although I did when I was living in and teaching in Tokyo, there was one dude that knew all about noise rock and was fucking there to be in a noise yeah. rock band into Tokyo. Yeah. And he was all tatted up and shit too. But, <laughs> you know, you got to realize the kind of environment you're putting yourself into in, this, in these hostels yeah. and shit, man. You know?
1: basically i was like i had a hard time like you know it was a hard time talking to people about music and movies and you know things that i'm generally kind of interested in yeah um it was it was really tough not that everybody needs to like know about all the shit i'm into but i just really saw this divide and a type of personality um Stephen, i want to ask if you uh,
0: think you would have done this like right after college do you think you would have had the same uh reaction it would have been
1: more it would have been a lot more fun I think, yeah. um, I think I am, you know, I'm not like super old or anything, but we're like, I'm like 34 now.
0: Well, yeah, so, I mean, the older you get, like I, the older I've gotten, I've just been like, man, it's nice to have a bed. It's nice. To yeah. Be to I'm, I'm, home I'm just, like, I'm relaxed.
1: So, yeah. I'm pretty set in my ways. And I feel like it was just like a weird timing for me. Um, mm-hmm. cause just, a lot you of the time, get
0: off more than you can chew, man, doing two really, on really first, first time, man. It's just like, it's
1: just crazy that's the best way to describe it so in that way it was a little traumatizing <laughs> so so you know i i hate i hate to sound like you know i wasn't grateful for the opportunity and that like i absolutely hate traveling because i don't i look forward to my next trip um but it's going to be different it's going to be much different next time now that i've learned how to travel just do a um, week next time bro yeah or something yeah <laughs> um yeah but I, uh, but yeah, it was. I did, I did. I bit off way more than I could chew. But I was lucky to have Chris there because Chris kind of helped. Chris and then our other friend Sam and like the other the group we were traveling with really helped make it uh, a, a little bit easier to keep pressing forward and stuff like that. And there's a few times I was like, I'm gonna fucking just buy a return ticket home early, and I just like, I gotta get out of here, you know. But Chris um, encouraged me to keep pressing forward. He's like, you're gonna regret it if you nice. don't see this all, and so. Really great friend for doing all that. I owe a lot to Chris uh, throughout this trip. Um, what was enjoyable about this trip? What you um,
0: you know? I don't know.
1: The things I did like. There was numerous things I did like. I loved you know the most pure, uh, the purest freedom I've ever felt in my life was when you get on a long stretch of road without the dangers of the road, and it's just you and the road on that bike. Um, that was the most free I probably have ever felt in my life. And it's just cranking the throttle and just like, get your motor running, you know, like I was fucking out there. Um, I love, I love the wildness of Southeast Asia. I love how like, you know, there's, there's rules, but they're flexible. There's, there's notions, but they're, they're, they're negotiable. Um, you know, everybody's kind of, I love the vibe of like everybody. There's like cool as a cucumber, man in in all america's known countries. to be a
0: whoa america's known to be a legalistic country because we were formed it, by lawyers yeah yeah you know it's, thomas it, jefferson it, it, was a fucking lawyer you know john adams they're all lawyers yeah yeah
1: You're <laughs> You're funny. Funny. and that you know there there's another one of those culture clash things that i guess i paid notice to is just like we are we are like america is a very free place and we have it really good in terms of environment in terms of society in terms of structure but it, it at certain point it does get to a, a, an oppressive kind of uh, an oppressive kind yeah. of level, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. where where in like Vietnam and Thailand, like it's kind of like just don't be a dick, you know, just right. don't be a dick, right. and right, right, you're right. cool, you know, you know. Pretty much the mafia runs all three of those countries respectively. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that too. Yes. Um, but um, so I loved the wildness of all these places. It just felt so like free in a lot of ways. It was impoverished, uh, you know, it was communist. And in a lot of ways, there's not a whole lot of individual expression that's like nurtured, but still kind of like wild and on the fringe and just really an interesting place to be. And kind of when you're sitting at a bar and you're like smoking cigarettes at a bar inside of a bar, you know what I mean? And you're just like looking out at the street and there's all this Crazy shit going on. People are selling all their wares and stuff. Like it was a certain type of calamity and chaos that really sang to me, like really spoke to my soul. Um, so I loved the wildness of all these countries, people as a whole, like beautiful people in all three countries, you know, like just amazing people. But, you know, I paid close attention to the women as well. <laughs> I was hoping I'd come home with a wife. Could you elaborate
0: on uh, on this particular topic? Um,
1: You know, in Vietnam, it's a little bit more reserved. They're a little bit more traditional. So, if you're trying to date a Vietnamese girl, you you better spend some time out there. And you know, there's you know, after the second or third date, you better be ready to meet the parents. You better be ready to like lock that shit down. So they're a lot more traditional in Vietnam. And so I was just paying notice that. Women of Southeast Asia are just gorgeous, beautiful women. The people and of themselves are beautiful people. I really enjoyed my time like embedding myself in the cultures of these places, even though you know it was it was it was really the the party the frat partyness of things that I disliked more than anything. Um, so
0: the differences between Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam, please speak on these
1: okay uh, yeah, so Vietnam. <laughs> If we can go back to like the sensibilities of like dating, for instance, like Vietnam is a lot more traditional, a lot more step-by-step uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, but Thailand is a lot more casual about that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, and I think, you know, like prostitution factors into this somehow because prostitution is like a very socially acceptable kind of like career path out there. It's just like been going on since the dawn of time and people are like, just like, yeah, you know, like. Some people are prostitutes and they go to 7-Eleven, just like everybody else, right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, um, in Thailand, there are seven 11s everywhere. Yeah. In Thailand, I swear there's, there's, there's seven 11s across the street from one another at times. It's wow. just like, um, which was cool. Cause it was like, the, it was like, we kept joking. I was like our safe Haven, like our home. Like anytime you walk into seven 11, even though there's all these crazy snacks, I loved, I loved looking at all the different snack packaging in Asia that was that was really cool for me I wish I had taken more pictures of that actually because I loved being in the Seven Eleven and just like marveling at their junk food and shit I was just like wow this is awesome <laughs> you know it really did something for me um but you know Seven Eleven was like a safe haven uh, uh but other than like
0: being sexually open and stuff was there anything right else yeah people-
1: no yeah oh definitely um yeah and like you know, Vietnam and Thailand there's a little bit more organization to their traffic and restaurants in Thailand are are generally a little better any kind of sit down place any kind of you know they do a lot more street food in Thailand. Well, yeah. Vietnam has Vietnam has street food but the, the palates are very different too, so you're dealing right. with you're dealing with different types of snacks, but Thailand Thailand just like their shit is so flavorful and spicy and like Thailand is probably my favorite food in the whole world that I've had so far um vietnam being like second vietnam's really good too Cambodia was sucks. apparently
0: the most um, religious country in the world
1: oh really like 100% i did not know that buddhist oh really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually actually experiencing a day-to-day kind of like um buddhism on a uh, day-to-day kind of basis in in the culture that was that was pretty interesting that was very culture shocky actually Um, Like as
0: far as what, you just see a Buddhist priest walking down the street and you're like, whoa, or like what exactly was it?
1: I feel like I really understand that book Siddhartha now like quite a bit better than, you know, the last few times I've read it. You know, there is, you know, a lot of people in the States you get who probably haven't traveled to Southeast Asia who claim to be Buddhist. Well, I'm not going to say claim, like everybody's entitled to their thing, but people who are Buddhist or whatever in like the States, I'd be surprised to to to. Well, basically, you know, you have that like illusion broken for you at times. I remember we're at this one temple, and I saw this just like cute, like little blonde girl like go into the temple and everything, and she like she like excuse me, could you take a picture for me? And then she gets the obligatory like kneel and bow, all you know, beautifully and peacefully in front of the Buddhist statue, whatever. She's probably from like Sweden or America or Britain or something. And I'm just like looking at that image, and I'm just like bullshit like you're just you know it's like the chic of it it's like wearing the the trendiness of it all was was really interesting in terms of like the backpackers but in other words it was like kind of like you know we hold it up i think i feel like you know a lot of new agey types especially in colorado you have a lot of like people who, are, who say they're buddhist and uphold that kind of philosophical um uh, kind of lifestyle uh, out out here you know it's very I, wonder, I
0: wonder what that would mean like i just it I just sort of feels like buddhists in america are kind of taken up by hippies and shit yeah, and i yeah it, to me it's just like it's just it's weird i don't know i just don't know if they really understand it fully yeah
1: yeah exactly because a lot of what um you know in a day-to-day kind of way like experiencing the way that the vietnamese or the thai for instance kind of like live in live with the buddhist nature of their spirituality um was was very like uh you know, you you got a better idea of what they mean when they when they talk about suffering in Buddhism. You know, it's it's uh, it's an impoverished world. It's like an impoverished country, and everybody's on their grind and on their hustle. Everybody, you know, is generally trying to be good and and good to each other, um, but also there's just like um, there's more dimensions to it, I guess, than the than the person who like adopts Buddhism as their philosophical and spiritual preference than it is when somebody is born into Buddhism and and ha- and lives that life. You know, a lot of the monks, there was a lot of young monks that we encountered that had like smartphones and stuff, and they had their um uh you know they just had their life
0: the thing is like there's technology Buddhism is, a lot of times people people's not against the... technology. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people have this this idea that monks are just meditating on a mountain and never right. use a smartphone in their life they're just they're just normal people like i remember i was watching conan went the the tv show host he went to south korea to one of their temples or something and did like a a bit out there and it was pretty funny but the the priest took out a phone out of nowhere and everybody laughed because it was like just uh so unexpected and i was just like yeah what the fuck is this image i mean i like i maybe i I don't know I've, i've been in asia since i was I've been going to Asia and lived there since I was 20, so I guess I just know more about it than other mm. people. But it's just like, is this part of the fucking stereotype? It's it's just it's just weird. Like if a priest uh, with you know a white collar on his neck and everything, a Catholic priest took out a cell phone, nobody would say anything, right? You know what I mean? But it's a, a I guess it's the robes or something. The robes just throw people off, right? I don't, I don't yeah, know what it is. exactly.
1: Especially travelers, I think, because you see, you ex, you know, like your expectation is this like benevolent, all wise type of person but they're just normal people you know i'm sure they're wise because that's the path that they've gone down you know but it's they're just like everybody else and um you know and then you have you have buddhist shrines and and memorials and little things altars everywhere scattered all over both countries everywhere on the side of the road um they would have like little altars and the weirdest nooks and crannies the weirdest little alleyways there'd be an altar and there'd be like little water bottles or juices sometimes people buy sodas for their deities and stuff like that and yeah it was really it it was really cool it was really interesting one thing that kind of bugged me is when we would go to you know they have customs they have they have um you know kind of like uh you when you go to a buddhist temple like you basically have to women have to cover their shoulders and their and and their bodies in vietnam and thailand most places like anywhere there's like a temple like most of the time women had to cover their shoulders. And there's a, quite a few temples where women aren't even allowed. Um,
0: I never experienced po- that in Japan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's different every country. Was,
0: you.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, I had, a, I like, I did a Facebook post about all that shit at one point, And it was just like, um, you know, at first it was just like, Oh, like to me, I was like rebelling against like the misogyny of it all. Like fuck all these old, like these old ideas. It's like move on to the new or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, um but you know it's just like that's how it is regionally that's just like the regional kind of like culturally accepted ways to go about things and um, you know sometimes monks were like really mean when they would yell at some girl like put your shit on what are you doing or whatever you know, like you filthy whore you <laughs> like it's like damn hey we do like, that you know, here too so <laughs> totally yeah but you know it's like it's, it shatters that it shatters that image of like this peaceful like all-knowing accepting tolerant like Buddhist person, when they're basically like, you filthy slut, like put some clothes on. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> you know, I feel and, like a
0: lot of like the American hippies are like, there's no rules in this religion, bro. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that and that it's was like, actually
0: really. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry.
1: Go ahead. Uh, so, like, in in terms of like the douchiness of a lot of travelers, like that was a big part of it too. Is like, it, from the surface, it looks like there's no rules because it's so different than the rules that we have in the Western world, but there are, and and so you have a lot of these tourists treating it as such and so that kind of like bastardizes not only their experience of it but but also what the country itself has to offer because you're looking at it as such a westerner and you know i mean, personally i tried not to be like i tried to be a tourist as little as possible you know i tried to you know not waste anybody's time with with silly questions just if you know like oftentimes if you couldn't figure something out or if you're lost or something just take a second to look at a map or look around or you know ask for directions or something but don't like impose your entire cultural identity upon you know whoever you're interacting with just because you're from another place it was like a lot of it for me was like shedding like my americanness like i didn't want to be perceived as american um, And it was easy for me because I'm like, like ethnic looking, I guess, like <laughs> Latino. What do people so think it you was were? Like
0: um, either like European yeah, backpackers and shit.
1: Either like some dirty Frenchman or or Arabic or Arabic. you know from Isra- Israel. I look like like I could be from Israel or Spain or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm, okay. but then when they hear me talk, I'm so like American. So. <laughs> So it was interesting, but uh, I guess what I'm getting at, what was I getting at? What were we talking about?
0: <laughs> Man, I don't know. What about
1: Cambodia? Um, Cambodia is a cool place. Again, it's really wild. Uh, that was one of the more depressing places we've been because we went to the killing fields and we went to the, this prison, this internment prison that they had during the Khmer Rouge in the late <laughs> 70s, early 80s. Just like rampant executions, just genocide, man. It was it's fucking horrible, and that's and it's their due... fucking
0: tourist locations. Like the killing fields is like a top. Well, of no, to it's through.
1: kind, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're gonna come here, you better go see that shit so you can remind yourself and the rest of the world wherever you're from that this cannot happen again, um, and it, how easily it happened to begin with. So it's like nobody's happy about it, but um, it was it was it was pretty. Um, it was, that was pretty interesting. I mean, other than that, I mean, we went to Angkor Wat, like the one of the oldest, like largest temple structures there was, and that was like basically like running through the shadow of the Colossus.
0: Okay. Those temples were in Mortal Kombat the movie, right? The first one.
1: Yeah, the yeah. whole time, dude. All right, so here's me, here's my personality. The whole time, everywhere, as soon as we stepped foot in Thailand, I was like Thailand. Everywhere we went, I was <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> yeah, I was like Tiger, Tiger,
0: Uppercut, and dude, this bitch.
1: When, when we were in Thailand, like, I could not stop thinking about Street Fighter. I was like, I was like, that <laughs> fucking video game, it may have like, it may have like fireballs and superpowers, but those original games were like documentaries, man. They were pretty close to the truth. There was so many, there was one city we ended up in, and there was like an endless cycle of fights breaking out on the street. Nice. <laughs> literally. This and there was that was that was the during new year's that was that crazy experience i had in Pattaya. um i did we did go to some muay thai fights and again it was fucking street fighter it was like watching the muay thai guys do their thing and they like muay thai is sick man watching it in the live is amazing that's and as some yeah as somebody who who has trained martial arts for like the last year or two years something like that a little less than two years um like going there and seeing like how they do it and stuff like that i was like i was like trying to absorb as much information i could about the way that they fight and stuff and watching it was really cool so the whole time i'm in thailand i'm just like you know i have this i, mean, I just can't stop thinking about street fighter <laughs> it was just like if, if ever they're making a street fighter movie it needs to begin in thailand because there's something about the rawness of that place that breeds these kind of personalities. Like the women out there are hard as fucking nails and they're gorgeous, every single one of them. <laughs> and they'll cut you, man. They'll, they're like, everybody's got like kind of an attitude in Thailand and they're so used to dealing with tourists at this point who come out there to try and fuck a hooker or something um, yeah. that, that they, you know, they, they're kind of a little, they're a little, sh- yeah, they're a little short with people. They're a little more terse with tourists and stuff. Um, which is cool. Like I kind of dug that vibe too. Cause then it feels like kind of grimy and like my little hip hop, the little hip hop nest came out in me. And I'm just like, I love this place. It's grimy as fuck. You know, like Vietnam was kind of like that too. I loved being in the cities. Uh, I also loved the aspects of nature that we we're, we were able to get to. Um, but also what you're saying about like Cambodia and Angkor Wat and everything. Like when we got there, I was like, your soul is mine and shit. Like (laughs) I was like, I would like, I would like pop out from behind like a temple or like, like a ruin or something and like surprise Chris. And I'd be like, finish him or some shit. Like get over here. (laughs) Like I was just like having fun in the ruins and everybody, you know, everybody's got these kind of like, I don't know. It's interesting to see people to me, like the whole conundrum of people was called into question, you know, you see these people that go, you know, like I'm just at the ruins taking pictures. I'm like, these are some cool fucking ruins they're definitely ruins. It's awesome. You know, but I don't have any like spiritual expectations or preconceived notions about how it's going to better my life by being here or anything like that necessarily. So anytime I saw somebody like on their knees, like some Westerner on their knees bowing and getting blessed by some monk, I was just like, nigga, please. Sorry to use the, (laughs) Uh, but I was like, come on. You know what I mean? It was just like
0: I was just like uh, that's weird. Uh, people like there wasn't like Westerners will will bow like really quickly in Japan, but it's not. Yeah, it is. I guess kind of a touristy thing, but yeah, there's you know, and it's I all these
1: hi, it's all these hippie types, especially in this this you know like this we we kept running into a lot of the same people throughout the trip that we had met at previous hostels and stuff. So it's uh. like there's these destinations that are pretty well traveled, and it's kind of this trip that a lot of people do. Um, so it's just interesting to see how people come, you know, and they're like, you have the new age hippie types who come and they're just getting so like, they're like fulfilling this masturbatory need to like, you know, like stimulate their idea of their spirituality. It's like spiritual appropriation sometimes. And I was just like, come on, man, you know, just take, just take a picture of the old ruin and, you know, touch the stone and kind of like get a feel for what it's all about and get the hell out of there like don't make it this big production like some people need that and i just really i don't know maybe i'm just a judgmental asshole but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you but you're know. saying they, they they're they're too they're too spiritual too into it for how little they know about it is that what you're yeah, saying sometimes?
1: i guess you know it's not my place to judge really even though i am judging but <laughs> it's just i was just like i was just like uh, you know i don't know i guess I, for I, I don't know i can't say for anybody else but you know like I, I i got blessed and i have like this little bracelet and stuff on my wrist and it, it, it wasn't it wasn't out of like some sense of like trying like i really don't believe in this idea of like like bettering ourselves anyway you know i think like you are who you are you know just you, you just settle into your skin and be comfortable with what it is that you actually are as opposed to this, like idea of self improvement, which you know some people need that, but other people's don't. I don't really subscribe what about, to that what notion. About,
0: like, training, like you obviously need to train to get better at some sport or whatever the fuck. it sure,
1: is. Sure, sure, yeah, like like self development is what I guess I would call that. But I don't know what I'm getting at exactly with all this. But <laughs> basically, it's just like you know, like Angkor Wat was fucking cool. It was really cool for the historical aspect of it, and the temples and everything were really cool for the historical aspect of it. But I, I personally wasn't interested in trying to, like, develop my spirituality while I was there. Um, yeah. But I think in a spiritual sense, I I was able to take a lot from that. And, like, me personally, I think I mean, I'm more I, of, like... If I was an
0: encore Wat, I'd be like, well, that's some shit I've never seen before. And, like, that's enough. Exactly, That's yeah. enough. Yeah.
1: That's, you know? For me,
0: That's like that's exactly where it was. To me,
1: it was like when I went to the Grand Canyon when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. wow, that's fucking a large thing snap a picture let's go get some food (laughs) right 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 you know right but um but yeah so like uh cambodia was sick for like those kind of temples there i saw monkeys at one point i was gonna ask Um, about
0: wildlife yeah animals
1: ever you know what the best thing the best thing about all soviet the best thing about all three countries is there are dogs everywhere and i'm like i love dogs (laughs) i missed my dog like crazy um, in Vietnam, they're a little, they still, they still eat dog, uh, quite a bit and in more rural so? kind of, I did not, I don't think I did. There's a possibility that I probably ate some that I didn't know was dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's more in like rural areas. Um, and there was at one point there was like, this guy was on a scooter, by the way, these people will fit anything on a scooter. <laughs> they'll have their all five members of their family on a scooter as well as a big old thing full of like a big giant package full of like flip-flops they're taking to the market or something um so at one point we saw this basket full of dead dogs in the, on the back of this dude's scooter and they're just like hanging out there and you know like they're going to some little shop where somebody's like gonna buy half of that dog and put it in their soup you know and it'll probably be good but i i hope i didn't eat dog and i didn't willfully ever eat dog my dog's looking at me all crazy now um <laughs> but did, uh, in Thai, in thailand there's a much more like there's a much larger appreciation for dogs in thailand there's more people who own dogs at their shops um and there's more people that uh like give them names and shit. um one cool thing in vietnam when we went to Long bay which is out off the coast it's near these islands it's uh off the coast of i forget and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, Halong Bay, it's like a popular tourist destination. It was really cool. It's like, you know, it's like those weird stone structures that you see like that fucking James Cameron based Avatar off of and stuff. It's like a really wild looking place. It was really cool, um, but there's the uh, fishing villages that kind of like they're built to float on top of the water and they have dogs on the fishing villages but uh, one thing we learned was that the dogs in the fishing villages don't have names they're not anybody's pets they're just a security force that protects um that protects the uh the like little villages from either either weird people who may want to come steal supplies and goods or whatever or other animals like birds and shit that come and swoop down and try and get like scare off the animals or, or some of the birds fish for things. and I don't know, the dogs were just like a security force on these little floating villages, which I thought was cool. Um, at one point, I saw a, 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 like a terrifying monkey that was in this cage and it was served as a um, like a security device for these people's home. And they had like they had dogs and shit, but they just had this fucking monkey in a cage. It had a chain around its neck. And it was in this like iron bar cage. And it was there just like wailing and hollering. If you got even a little too close to it, it would bare its teeth at you. And it was big this monkey was huge. Uh, it wasn't like a gorilla, but it was like a, it was like a short little toddler. You know what I mean? It was like, it'll fuck you up. <laughs> what about, um, what about so that, um, I saw only, uh, um, when we were in Thailand, when we were on When we were on the islands I think when we were on Kofanyang uh Kofanyang was really cool it was like a pretty chill ass place paradise you know like some of these islands were like that true idea of paradise that you see in like movies or on tv um but I I I saw this one elephant so there's this place called Tom's they had this place where you could feed the elephants and there a lot of people are kind of phasing out riding elephants and stuff when you go out to places like this because it's kind of perceived as being cruel nowadays okay Um, so you could go to this one place and feed the elephant, like bamboo or bananas and just like chill with him and say, what's up. And so like, I was like, finally got the chance. I was like, oh shit, here's that place, uh, with the elephants, or this was in a place called Pi, which is like a mountainous hippie paradise. Actually, it wasn't near the beach, but they had a lot of elephants near in the mountains, I guess. Um, but I went up to go like pet it and it kind of was like backing away from me. And like, I I, I like touched it's, um, its trunk at one point and up until we got there a couple of people were like petting it and stuff but i touched its trunk and then it started like bobbing its head up and down in a kind of like nervous way so i was like oh shit so i started backing up or whatever and the guy comes to comes to feed it more bamboo and the, the thing like i don't know if i upset it or if it was just sick of people all day but it was started to like every time they gave it bamboo it would like put it in its mouth and then it would throw it <laughs> across the way it would just like throw it down on the ground um so it was just like not it just didn't want the fucking bamboo and it didn't want any more people to pet it and i was just like damn that's crazy like you know i kind of like if i had any expectation it would be like oh my god this peaceful creature and like hugging its trunk and whatever because the day before our friend christy went and fucking she was like kissing the elephant and hugging its trunk and it fucking lifted her up into the cage with it and it was like this all cute like little fucking moment and then when I get up to it it was just kind of like oh I'm fucking done with you people but I think it was like reflecting the way I felt about people in a lot of ways so so I was like I was like right. uh, yeah I was like fair enough elephant man I don't I don't fucking blame you and uh, read you loud and clear <laughs> so that was like the only instance I had with like an elephant um, there were a lot of snails everywhere and little crabs and things on the floor they were just like little uh, crawdads and shit um, uh, or crawfish, um, there was, you know, there wasn't monkeys everywhere, but there's a little bit of monkeys. Like mostly it was like dogs, there was dogs everywhere. And they were all super nice in Thailand, like, especially in these beach communities or like in the mountainous communities, the more kind of hip, hippie areas, um, in Pai, especially those dogs, there's like a night market where they have like all these street foods that go for like a few kilometers. And, and you get to get all this amazing food. Um, and the dogs just kind of fucking pick up scraps and they all know each other. And they're all like just these little characters that you, you see every day. Um, and they're all super nice. So made a lot of good dog pals out there. (laughs) Um, but as in terms of, I saw a lot of bats and every time I would fucking be like, holy shit, a bat at night, like huge bats. Um, my stupid friends would be like, "What? that's a bird. You know, like they would never believe that I actually saw a bat. I'm like, I know what a fucking bat looks like. That was a bat. <laughs> and then my friend, he's out Zouter, she's like, you didn't see a bat. There's no bats over here. And I'm just like, oh. I just hate. Like, i like, I just want to. Like, I love them to death. And we had a, we're like thick as thieves right now. But, but I fucking, I'm next trip. I'm traveling alone. <laughs> 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 and that, that's not a discredit to anybody I was traveling with. I absolutely loved traveling with them, but. It's just more of an affirmation of like who I am and like what I'm all about. Just like the influence of others kind of irks me sometimes. And <laughs> Anyway, there's, there's, there's tons of tales. There's lots of, there's lots of amazing shit that happened on the trip and stuff like that. But, you know, as a recap for all the stuff that happened and kind of getting a sense of where I was during the whole trip, like I think that's pretty good for now. Thank you guys for indulging me.
0: That has been the mission debriefing for your Vietnam, <laughs> Thailand, and Cambodia trip. So I think we're going to uh, end the episode here. Please uh, check us out on YouTube, Twitter, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Instagram. And I am personally on Twitter as Thunderwolf Drew. I'm doing all kinds of hot takes there all the time. And uh, I used to do it on Facebook. But now I found out that Twitter is the place to do that. So nice, <laughs> I've been doing that. And Hello, uh, yeah. also, thanks again, Shasta, for your Patreon contribution. And please check out our Patreon. Search for Superhouse Podcast Patreon. That's P A T R E O N. And that's pretty much it. If you want to throw us a few bones on Patreon, that would be great. And uh, you got anything, Seven?
1: um i just would like to say like i hope i didn't offend anybody by like my language or my descriptions um so hopefully i didn't offend anybody or whatever i know i use some strong language uh but thank you all for indulging me i'm glad to be back um let's get some fucking podcasts going new hot package coming soon woo woo cool back baby (laughs) all right that's
0: episode 109 time to shine see you later
1: Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other
0: godforsaken social media outlet that we we should be floating on. We are basically on all social media. (laughs) Yeah, all social media. Mainly Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Check out the links in the description. We have uh, a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar You get to go on a date
1: with one of us for $10,000.
0: <laughs> but we you can... pay for everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. For,
0: for, <laughs> for $30,000 we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project 2018.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs>